are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is when you decided to press play, welcome and thank you for listening. Namaste. (laughs) I didn't even know I was a poet. So I have noticed that there has been a bit of a trend on yoga podcast and definitely not by planning or design, but recently I've been discussing the importance of fill in the blank, different areas of yoga that you should continue to consider as you make your practice on and of course off of the mat. And so we've already talked about why we should be engaging in hip openers, as well as keeping a nice, bendy, flexible spine for back bends. So I thought, you know what, let's continue this conversation and let's talk about the importance of balance. I love balancing postures. As a student, I remember when I first started practicing yoga and I was just doing something which for some can be considered intro basic beginner, which is tree pose. But I'm going to tell you, I believe that tree pose can be not only a beginner posture, which is beautifully done in transitions and with props and lots of different ways to help the student, but it can also be an advanced posture. Have you ever tried all the different variations of where to place your foot? The one that's not rooted into the earth, by the way. Different ways that you can place your hands behind your back or toward the sky or out toward the sides or in namaste position or prayer position. And you could utilize mudras to take your intention to new places. Of course, your dristi is a huge part of balancing postures, which is your eye gaze bringing you into an exact present moment, really just engaging in your meditative state. So rather you're practicing something as basic as tree pose, maybe one of your feet is just the kickstand to something even more complicated in a balancing posture really doesn't matter. We all can agree that when you feel like you are having your best practice, balancing is a huge reason why. It can also be a reason why you feel like, you know, maybe you didn't have a great practice, although I I hesitate, as you could tell, I left a little dead space there. I hesitate to focus on a bad practice because really what we can constitute as not being our best practice ever is just a reflection of life. You know, sometimes you are in practice, especially in studio, surrounded by like-minded people. (laughs) You might just be doing the best best practice you can ever imagine. You know, you're in the zone, you are present, you feel like you're in a moving meditation. Ugh, just thinking of times that I have been a student in classes like that, or even a teacher of what felt like those type of vibes, 
There is nothing that can replace that moment, that feeling of just feeling at total peace and contentment with who you are in that moment on the mat. But there are also opposite times. And I know as a student, I've experienced them maybe more times than not. But I try to only focus on the other, you know, that peaceful contentment type practice. (laughs) But definitely as a teacher, oh my goodness, as a teacher, I have had to talk to students after practice and encourage them to not focus on whatever it is that is getting inside of their head because really that's what it is. Now, when you have a hard time balancing, it could be because you're also having a hard time concentrating. It could also be you're not really feeling relaxed, but it could also be something as generic as what type of mat you have, what type of floor you're practicing on. There's so much that can go into balancing on one foot or on hands, or sometimes we're balancing on a knee and and one hand. And there's just, you know, there's lots of ways to balance. I know when I sequence classes that are focused on balancing, I love to offer lots of different ways that we're going to balance during that session. So for instance, I might begin with us balancing on both feet. I know, what? What is she talking about? We're not balancing, but you are. You know, mountain pose, Tadasana, one of my favorite is a beautiful posture to begin to find your strength, find your courage, find your peace. And it is indeed balancing. You know, some people have a tougher time balancing when their feet are together than when their hip distance apart or even wider. So it is indeed a form of true balancing, keeping the spine erect, keeping your drishti engaged, keeping your breath involved and consistent. It's all going to be a part of the balancing in yoga. So you start where you can begin to balance on both feet. And then you could begin to balance maybe in like a plank. You might even be able to balance in, um, you know, by keeping one knee down and the other knee up. You might balance on one foot. You might balance on hands. I mean, there is, you might even balance on your head, (laughs) right on the crown chakra. And so it is really, really fun as a teacher, I must admit, to encourage students to balance in whatever way suits their body and to take them from what can be considered like a basic variation all the way to a more intermediate or advanced way of practicing. It's also really exciting to utilize props when balancing. And it's just fun because one of the things that I've learned as a student and perhaps even as a teacher, but I believe I had to have learned it first as a student, is you really do find yourself in moving meditation when you are forced to challenge the mind-body connection. And what better way to do that than with balancing? So what what really makes yoga so amazing is adding in pratyama, you know, yogic breath, creating this connection that you really wouldn't find anywhere else. You know, I've been a gymnastics coach, a cheerleading coach, and 
If anything, I'm encouraging them to hold their breath while they're in the middle of what would be considered a balancing transition. So maybe they're balancing in a moment and then they're going to transition into something else. But for that moment that they're balancing, they need to be so engaged that almost holding the breath to get the body there and creating that kind of stress in the nervous system is what's encouraged. Whereas in yoga, we want the opposite effect. We want the body to also experience something challenging, but we want to teach it to do it with ease. And that brings me to part of the why. Why is balancing in yoga so important? Well, I think I just kind of pointed it out, didn't I? You know, it teaches us that we will be okay. You know, your body is not sure what you're doing when you're balancing on one foot. It has no idea if this is normal. Of course, if you practice this all the time, your body then understands that, oh yeah, this is normal. You know, they're not dangling off of the side of a cliff. I don't need to engage my amygdala, that fight or flight reflex. I don't need to tense up, stress out, and try to protect them from themselves. They understand what they're doing. Well, part of that is the breath. You know, if you think about when you get angry or when you are trying to calm down or if you had a scare, you're frightened, the first thing that alerts you to where you're at is your breath. You know, your lungs will tense up, your chest will constrict, you will have um, restriction in your muscles, everything will prepare, the blood will flow to where it thinks it needs to flow. So if you need to run, your blood's going to flow to the legs. If you need to fight, the blood might flow to the upper body. And so when you start to breathe the oxygen through the bloodstream, it creates a flow like a river. And we want that when we want to calm down and relax. Just take a two-year-old having a typical tantrum. And one of the things about timeout is it shouldn't be seen as a punishment more, but more than it is like yoga off of the mat for a child. <laughs> now, I am speaking from a, as a person who does not have children of her own, but who loves to work with children who has taught yoga to kids. I've taught yoga to mommies and babies all the way up. And um, so I'm not going to say to the parents out there that this is how they feel. I'm just going to say that this is a neat way of thinking about it. <laughs> so I want to I want to honor that parents have real, you know, concerns and, and, you know, real truths that I might not be tapping into. So with with a child who you may tell them to go sit on a stair step and that's their time out, it's not necessarily because they're being punished, although it is a form of punishment. It is really and hopefully a place that they can calm down, right? Because when someone's throwing a temper tantrum, and adults do it too, by the way, you need to relax the nervous system. You need to get out of whatever mindset you're currently in, which is usually irrational. And so the psychology of it is I now have to remove myself from other Now is typically out of sight, out of view. Maybe not always. Requires leaving play, leaving um, comforts. So you're not in timeout in the bathtub with bubbles, although that is how I put my. No. 
two-year-olds, maybe not so much. Actually, being in a bath might actually be more punishment for some. But you remove them from what is perceived fun, but also from what is aggravating them. And because they don't typically have the intellectual capacity to be able to do it themselves, they're all emotion, then this gives them the opportunity to allow themselves to relax, right? Well, some, some, as I was mentioning, some adults need timeout. So if you know of any adults that need timeout, then maybe this is also applicable to them. So that is what we're doing when we are actually practicing yogic breath, when we're practicing pratyama. And that is what we really want to be doing when we're balancing in yoga postures. We want to Focus mostly on the breath, even if it takes us out of the balance. I'm sure all of you, if you've listened to any of my audio classes and many, many teachers say this, it is better to be consistent with your breath work and to bring your awareness and your intentions and your attention back to that place, even if that means you lose your balance, than it is to hold the balance without the breath which would be more like acrobatics and gymnastics and that sort of thing, right? And it is absolutely truth because what ends up happening is you begin to grow not only organically, but Sorry about that. Strange technical difficulty just occurred. So as I was mentioning, we want to progress organically and incrementally through our practice. And one of the ways to really focus on that is by utilizing pratyama. Remembering that asana is one of the limbs of the eight limbs of yoga, and pratyama is a separate limb of the eight limbs of yoga. And when we utilize pratyama to guide our asana practice, then we can move into one of the other limbs, which is that meditative state, that meditation. And I love this because if you think about it, what looks like the most basic beginner simplistic posture can actually become a very advanced posture just by applying pratyama. If you're practicing tree pose, for instance, at its most beginner polarity, right? So one foot grounded into the earth, possibly the other foot just kind of kickstanding or even utilizing a prop. And if you can hold that for 10 seconds with pratyama, then you can take that to maybe 20 seconds and so on and so forth without ever even transitioning into a different type of transition of the posture. So once you want to get into what can be considered more challenging, like maybe you're bringing the foot all the way up into half lotus, for instance, and your hands are behind your back in reverse prayer, right? So now this is going to be a more challenging balancing posture because you're also taking binds. Well, if you can hold that particular posture for one second with breath, up to 10 seconds with breath versus someone who can hold a basic tree pose for 10 minutes while engaging in breath, then you can start to see how you can enjoy your own evolution of your yoga practice. And this is what I love about teaching yoga and what I became really, really engaged in when I was teaching yoga for beginners. 
And one of the reasons is, is because you can take the same 20 postures and all you need to do is add more pratyama, more, um, and what I mean by that is add more challenging time durations to utilize your pratyama in the posture. So this even works for Shavasana. This even works for easy pose or even child's pose, poses that are restful because it's still a challenge to engage in breath without losing sight of what it is that you're there for. It's almost easier when you're balancing and engaging in pratyama than when you're in a relaxing pose and engaging in pratyama because it's easy for the mind to wander off. Whereas when you're trying to keep a certain posture in place and a dristi to keep you focused on that placement while being engaged in pratyama, well, then you are completely tuned into the moment. So I said all of that because I wanted you to really be able to think about not only the importance of sequencing and balancing postures, and there's so many neat ways to do it, but to also remember that your balancing posture is only as beneficial to your yoga practice as your pratyama practices. And it is always going to benefit you more to focus on your breath work and not the duration of the balance. Allow the duration of the balance to catch up to the breath over time, okay? And try not to just put yourself into advanced postures without the pratyamic practice being more advanced than the asana practice in many ways. So, when we consider all of that, then what else can we think about when we think about the importance of balance in yoga? Well, we want to be able to also engage in all of the senses. You have your hearing, you have your smell, you have taste, you have sight, and you want to engage in all of that because these are going to intensify your ability to overcome them while being balanced, which will completely rewire your central nervous system. That whole entire idea of rest and digest will really start to take effect when you're able to calm the mind and connect it with the body. So you can do really fun exercises, and I'm pretty sure I've done some pretty neat classes like this on Yoga Podcast, but you can be in a balancing posture as a meditative state, and you can take yourself through meditation practices or mindfulness practices. So you can, and I know that we do this with kids. I don't know how much adults do this anymore, but I know that um, even before you think of this as a yogic practice, this was probably something that you've done in some other capacity as a child. And one of the neat things is imagine balancing on one foot and then you touch your nose with your right, you're balancing on your left foot, you touch your nose with your right finger. Then you take your left hand and you place it above your head and then you take your right hand and you place it on your right hip. Then you take your left hand and place it on your belly and you do this and you go through this while also trying to stay balanced, stay breathing, and also use your cognitive resources. Um, you can also decide to close your eyes when you're balancing, especially if you're balancing on one foot. This can 
be a good idea if you're looking for some sort of inner reflection. And you can also meet this by being really tuned into your drishti. So again, you can see how you can continue to evolve your balancing practice alone. You also are going to build strength. Your muscles will activate. It's really challenging for your body to balance without engaging the core. You need to engage your core, which it will instinctively. You don't have to really even think about it. And you really don't want to because trying to engage your core while balancing will actually, um, it will encourage you, I should say, to hold your breath. So you want the body to do this instinctively, but your back muscles will actually instinctively work to help assist the front of the core. So you will gain the stability in all of that area of your body to help you to stay balanced. So that's really important as well. You also will have to learn how to relax in a balancing posture if you want to be able to breathe in it, which Obviously you do. So you will not be tense. You will not have your shoulders up to your ears. You will not be tensing your quadriceps and your hamstrings. Everything will just relax into the balancing postures, which will actually help you to build strength and stability in the body. You will also notice that you will begin to have this Um, ability to concentrate. And I don't mean just from a meditative perspective, but really it allows you to think, you know, not like when you're going on a long walk and, you know, if you're walking and you're observing and you start thinking, you start creating in your mind, that's beautiful. This is going to use a different part of the brain that allows you to concentrate on demand. And what's neat about that is We as humans, we have evolved to be an on-demand thinking species. This is what really separates us from many, many other mammals, right? We are able to foresee consequences, good and bad. So we don't have to just be instinctual. So when you learn to balance in a yogic fashion, you won't just be um, pushing yourself to like, an edge or a limit, you will actually be thoughtfully moving your body to places that it can anticipate going before getting there. So it puts you in this ability to be able to have forethought and concentrate in a way that is, um, I believe, under, under undervalued and misunderstood when we think about yoga off of the mat. A lot of what we do on the mat in yoga is really, and and I don't want to say a lot, I want to say everything we do on the mat is in preparation for what we do off of the mat. That is the entire purpose of asana practice is to prepare the mind. So the body is literally getting stronger and more limber and more agile and more prepared to allow the mind to be strong and consistent and has this intensity about it that allows you to develop yourself in whichever way direction you want. So that's what I want you to think about when you're balancing. Like you are preparing the mind for all that it needs to be able to be magnificent off of the mat. Rather that is to live in a place of 
gratitude and peace and comfort, or rather it's a place of powerful thinking and awareness and usage, you know, whatever it may be, balancing is such an integral part of yoga asana practice. I have to tell you, you know, um, when we teach like yoga for relaxation or even other different types of disciplines, some absolutely do not involve balancing postures for many different purposes um, of what that class is trying to present. But I think it's so important if you are practicing at home or you're creating your own routine of yoga practice to always add in a moment to balance, even if it's just to center the mind. You know, balancing at the beginning of your um, practice is a good way to get you in to the practice. It really just percolates and wakes you up immediately. There is absolutely nothing like waking up in the morning and, you know, doing a few cat cows, a few stretches, maybe a plank to roll, warm up the body, and then balancing on one foot. You know, I like to balance on one foot and brush my teeth, but, you know, that's me. But balancing and then, of course, alternating body parts for some good balanced out um, practice in the morning. But it's like a cup of coffee. And then add in a couple of forward bends, a couple of back bends, and voila, you have espresso. <laughs> and it's up to you if you want to have more than that need that your body just gained in that moment. So next time you're feeling sluggish and sloggy and froggy and foggy and all of that, just take a moment and get on your hands and knees, do some cat cows, wake up the spine, open your body up to either a forearm plank or a, a regular plank, drop a knee. You can even do a twist or a turn, you know, wag your tail and you can take a floor balancing posture from here, like tiger pose, or you can find yourself back on your feet. You can take a nice sun salutation, reach for the sun or the stars, take a gentle back bend and really just relax into a forward fold and then slowly make yourself into tree posture. So I think that that's a beautiful way to just remind yourself that you are here, you are centered, and you are balanced. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode, even though we had that weird technical vibe. Um, who knows what's going on, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you stay balanced. Go in peace. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste. Namaste.